For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Genesis. This is part five of the series. Shalom, and welcome to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. In this session, we are going to be covering Genesis chapter 25 through 50. And looking at patterns of exile and redemption in the book of Genesis, we need to realize a very important principle of the Bible. That is that biblical history is prophecy. That the God of Israel told about the future in the beginning. And he laid out the pattern for us to understand the future by examining biblical history or the events in the book of Genesis and the events that happened throughout the Tanakh or the Old Testament scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 46 and verses 9 through 11, we are told this principle that the end of days is told in the beginning. As it is written, Remember the former things of old, for I am Elohim and there is none else. I am Elohim and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. This word beginning in Hebrew is reshit. And Genesis means in the beginning. And the Hebrew word is bareshit. Ba is in, reshit is beginning. Here we're being told declaring the end from the reshit, the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Yea, I have spoken it, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. We can also see this principle that biblical history is prophecy from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 and Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15 as it is written. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done. That is future. And there is no new thing under the sun. That which has been, that is history, is now. And that which is to be, that's future, has already been. And God requires that which is past. If biblical history is prophecy and it's communicating to us about the future, 
or the end of days. Another way of expressing this is that biblical history is a parable. What is a parable? It is a biblical truth that is communicated to us on a deeper level or by principle. In Psalm 78, verses 1 and 2 and verse 4, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. Give ear to my Torah. I will open my mouth in a parable. Therefore, the Torah is a parable. That means it is a meaning that is communicated to us at a deeper level than just the literal, known as the Peshat. We will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come. This word to come is Strong's number 314. It's the Hebrew word akaron, which means the last or the end or the utmost. Showing the last generation. Showing the end generation. So the Torah is a parable which is to be understood and communicated ultimately unto the final or the last generation. That is the generation that would see the coming of the Messiah. Now let's look and see how this principle is so. We're going to begin by looking at Genesis chapter 25 and the birth of Jacob and Esau. The events are recorded in this way as it is written. Genesis chapter 25 verses 21 through 23. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her and said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb and two manner of people shall be separated from your bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. The elder serving the younger is a prophecy. So these two individuals who is in the womb of Rebekah, we're told that they ultimately are to become two nations or two different manner or types of people. The birth of Jacob and Esau foreshadows messianic times. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1056, it is written. The rendering of La Amim as regimes or peoples follows Rashi who explains that this phrase in Hebrew connotes a kingdom, meaning a people living together under one form of government, and they will be ideologically at odds with each other. What are the two paths in this world? You either follow the God of Israel, or you follow the ways of the world. Those who want to follow the God of Israel are ideologically at odds with those who want to follow and practice the ways of the world. It's the kingdom of David that comes forth from Jacob and who comes forth from Esau or Edom is the people who are living in the Middle East 
And as an extension, looking at the descendants of Esau, it is seen as that fourth beast in Daniel, the Roman Empire, and as an extension, Western civilization. And by and large, the world today is governed by Western values. And when we speak of Western values, what we're speaking of is Greco-Roman culture and influences. Continuing on with the commentary here from the Art Scroll, and the might shall pass from one regime to the other. The commentary is that the two of them will never be mighty simultaneously. When one regime falls, the other will rise. And it's the fall of this world system, which is generically called Babylon in the scripture. It's the fall of Babylon. Revelation chapter 18 says, Babylon has fallen and fallen. It gives rise to the messianic era and the nation of Israel being the most powerful nation on the earth and being a blessing to all nations through the rule and reign of Yeshua the Messiah. So it goes on to say here in the Art Scroll on page 1056 in the commentary made by Malbum that the conflict between Jacob and Esau began when each conquered its own land and this conflict between them will continue until the coming of the Messiah. Therefore, in the end of days, in the period of time that we call the tribulation, there will be a conflict between Jacob and Esau. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 1, page 1057, in looking at the birth of Jacob and Esau and how it is a prophecy of the end of days and of messianic times, and comment to the verse that says that in the end the younger will prevail, that being Jacob, according to the Midrash, this prophecy will be fulfilled in the days of the Messiah. This is the view followed by Malbum, who cites Obadiah chapter 1 and verse 21, which describes Messianic times when deliverers shall go up to Mount Zion to rule the hill country of Esau, and dominion or the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So the birth of Jacob and Esau and the events that are happening in their birth is a prophecy about Messianic times in the end of days. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 1, page 1058, it goes on regarding this event by explaining that in the Torah where it says the word twins, that the Hebrew word for twins is spelt defectively. The understanding of why this is spelled defectively, that is the word twins, is because one would be righteous and the other would be wicked. As the word is spelled, it can be vocalized to say in Hebrew, tamim, which means perfect or wholesome, which is homiletically applied to Jacob where he is described in Genesis chapter 25 verse 27 as a tamim, a whole or a complete individual. Malbum interprets this entire incident as pertaining to Messianic times because it says when Rachel gave birth, the word birth is an allusion to the end of days and the birth pangs of the Messiah. As a result, Messianic times are symbolized by the term birth. So their birth 
foreshadows the pain of travail of the tribulation times that there would be a battle between them and the battle brings all nations into the conflict and looking at the birth of Jacob and Esau and how it foreshadows messianic times in the art scroll of Genesis volume 1 page 1061 it explains this thought Jacob which in Hebrew is Yaakov is a play on the word Ekev which in Hebrew means heel because he grasped onto Esau's heel when he was born. According to Sephorno, the name means at the end of time using the Hebrew word Akev, which means the end. So Ekev means heel, Akev means end. At the end of time, he will endure as the victor in the constant struggle between Jacob and Esau in the struggle that Jacob has with his brother Esau. And this was symbolized by Jacob's grasping of his brother's heel, alluding to the end or alluding to the end of days. So this is a picture for us of prophecy and it is foreshadowing messianic times. Next, what we're going to look at is how the names of the tribes of Israel foreshadow exile and redemption. This comes from the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1284. The name of each tribe incorporates a reference to Israel's redemption. The Midrash cites the name of nine of the tribes. Reuben recalls Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, because Reuben means see a son. And in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 it says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Simeon in Hebrew is Shimon, which contains the word Shema, which means to hear. And in Exodus chapter 2 verse 24 it says, God heard their groaning. Levi in Hebrew means to join. It says in Zechariah chapter 2 verse 15, And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in the end of days. Judah means to praise. In Isaiah chapter 12 verse 1 it says, And in that day, in Messianic times, you shall say, The Lord, I will praise you. Dan means judgment. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 14, it was said of Abraham, but also upon the nation which they shall serve will I execute judgment. And Naphtali, it says of him from Song of Psalms chapter 4 verse 11, sweetness drips from your lips. Gad recalls the manna described as being coriander seed, Numbers chapter 11, verse 7. Asher, which means fortunate or happy, recalls the redemption when in a Hebrew published Bible, Malachi chapter 3, verse 12, it says, And all the nations shall call you fortunate, Asher. Finally, Joseph, which means to add or to increase, there's an allusion made of Joseph in the redemption of Jacob in the end of days from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 11 where it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, Messianic times, that the Lord will set his hand again. The word there in Hebrew is Joseph. He will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnants of his people. Next, we're going to look at Jacob who 
spent time serving Laban, and ultimately when Jacob left serving Laban, which he served him for 20 years, when he left, he left with wealth. Genesis chapter 31, verses 1 through 3 and verse 18, it is written, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. That is a prophecy of anti-Semitism, an accusation of Jacob that he's taken all of our wealth. He's in control of all the wealth of the world. And of that which was our father's, has he gotten all this glory? And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. How does it relate to our days? Well, when we look on the United States of America, things are not pleasant religiously, and there is not a positive viewpoint being presented by the world and the media in the United States of America regarding Christianity. It's not how it used to be 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And the Lord said to Jacob, when you see the anti-Semitism, when you see things are not towards you as as it was before. Return unto the land of your fathers and your kindred, and I will be with you. And he carried away all of his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in Padamaram, and he went to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. Remember in our last session, Isaac is a prophetic foreshadowing of the birth of Zion. So here, the prophecy is that when Jacob goes back to the land, he's going to Isaac, or he's returning to Zion. And the the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1345, in commenting to the verse which is Exodus in chapter 31 and verse 18, and he led away all his livestock and all his wealth which he had amassed. The commentary is as follows. In this verse, the Torah elaborates on Jacob's manner of leaving Padam Aran because it strikingly portends the departure of his descendants from Egyptian bondage. Just as Jacob left with great wealth, so his descendants left Egypt with great wealth as God promised Abraham. Genesis chapter 15 verse 14. Just as Laban learned of Jacob's departure only after three days, so Pharaoh discovered only later that the people had fled with no intention of returning. Exodus chapter 14 verse 5. Laban pursued Jacob who was saved because of God's intervention. Pharaoh pursued Israel which was saved by the miracle at the Red Sea. Thus, this is another illustration of the principle that the events of the life of the patriarchs is a foreshadowing of what will happen to their children. When Jacob returned to the land of Israel, he had an encounter with Esau. This is found in Genesis chapter 32, verses 3 and 4, verses 6 and 7, and verse 24, as it is written. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak. Speak unto my Lord Esau. When he's referring to Esau as my Lord, he's trying to show him reverence and respect. Your servant Jacob says thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau, and also he comes to meet you, and 
400 men with him. Jacob is seeking to make peace with Esau. However, Esau is preparing to make war with Jacob. This is a foreshadowing in the end of days of this conflict between Jacob and Esau that Jacob would seek to make peace and Esau would seek to make war. As a result of this situation, in Genesis 32, verse 7, it says, And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. This phrase, greatly afraid and distressed, is an allusion or a reference to the tribulation period. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man. This is an allusion to Jacob wrestling with whether Yeshua is the Messiah. They're wrestling with this man, a prophecy of the Messiah, with him, and he did it, he wrestled, until the breaking of the day. The tribulation is referred to as a time of darkness. So the breaking of the day is the end of the darkness, or the wrestling whether Yeshua is the Messiah, until the end of the tribulation, until the day that he sets his feet upon the Mount of Olives. When Jacob met Esau, he wanted to make peace with him. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1408, it says the general intent of Jacob's message is to appease Esau. Once again, this is foreshadowing Jacob's desire to enter into a peace agreement with Esau in the end of days that results in tribulation. And when it says, I'm sending to tell my Lord to gain favor in your eyes, the phrase to gain favor in your eyes is to make peace with you or to seek your friendship. The Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1411. And these are the words of Rashi. Esau, however, prepared to make war with Jacob because in meeting Jacob, he brought 400 men with him, which caused Jacob to be very frightened and distressed. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1413, it says, Esau's intention in coming to Jacob was to wage war. Radok similarly observes that since Esau was coming with the force of 400 men, his tensions were certainly not peaceful. Sephorno concurs and draws a parallel from Numbers chapter 20 verse 20 that Edom went out toward or against him with a massive force. Jacob's distress when meeting Esau foreshadows Jacob's trouble because it says that Jacob was very frightened and distressed. We're told about the tribulation in Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 5 through 7. The tribulation is referred to in this context with these words. For thus says the Lord, we've heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now and see whether a man does travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It's even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved or delivered or redeemed out of it. Meaning that it's from, and as a result of Jacob's trouble, the redemption of Jacob is the end of the exile of Jacob. That is the ingathering of the exiles. Jacob's wrestling foreshadows the end of the exile because he wrestled until the break of dawn. The Art Scroll of Genesis, Volume 2, page 1438. The commentary to the phrase, until the break of dawn. Alternatively, this refers to the appearance of the first rays of daylight through the clouds before sunrise are the words of Eben Ezra. 
In the figurative sense, it's reflecting Israel's destiny in exile. Until the break of dawn, the dawn refers to Israel's salvation or the end of the exile of Jacob when the long night of exile will finally end. Israel and Judah will return to the land of Israel during Jacob's trouble. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Genesis. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.